Welcome to this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. I am Stuart Blythe, a member of the faculty ADC and the Dean of Chapel. Here, you'll get a chance to hear perceptive and powerful sermons which were delivered by staff, faculty, students, alumni and guests as part of our weekly Wednesday Chapel services. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Our Amen. In a few days, we'll begin the Advent season. So my theme is on the birth. Great. Titles are always the last thing I write, so I fixed on one before and out. So here it is. The Economy of a Birth, capital B for birth. What I have to share here this morning I don't think will be new, but it's been uh, absorbed and processing in the last number of months. Have you ever gospel writers chose the details they included in their respective birth narratives? And today include a surfeit of personal de detail, especially the biographies of significant biographers search for clues to the formation and meaning of an individual life. Not biographers. We have a notable lack of information concerning Jesus' birth and So here's a little quiz I often use with children before I tell the story from the Bible. I need to answer these verbally because I don't want you to embarrass yourself. <laughs> What did Mary ride on the road to Bethlehem? They reached Bethlehem was Jesus born. What sort of building was Jesus born in? What animals were gathered about the manger? How many wise men were there? How did the star compare in brightness with the other stars? Who else saw the star? Did Jesus, uh, no, sorry, did Jesus? Hopefully, you know the right answer. There's just one. We don't know because the Bible doesn't say. Now, it's fascinating to use this quiz with children because they will invariably argue with me. Mary rode a donkey. How do you, how do you know? I'll ask them in, innocently. So it's on the Christmas card or in the carol or in the video or decorations, etc. in church. And they can get quite annoyed that they've been misled. That 
innately and fiercely devoted to the truth, the absolute truth, unless they've been teach. But the quiz is a wonderful hook to draw into the scriptural account. So we turn to the Gospel of Luke and examine the details that Luke has chosen. And I see here we have a Lucan expert, so I'm a little, little bit on my, a little tentative here. But because there are so few details in his account, I think we should assume that the words are significant. And I just realized I forgot to reread the scripture passage because took my breath away. So this is the preaching from. It's the first seven verses of the chapter, uh, chapter of Luke. You, you're not putting it up, are you? No, because I've changed my mind as just to the translate. <laughs> after all. And the uh, UE version, the updated edition. Those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their registered. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, Judea, to the city of Jerusalem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of clothes because there was no place in the guest room. If you've noticed, you'll see that there is a word that is repeated a number of times. They, these verses, the first six verses, describe the setting of Jesus' birth in the context of Jesus. Luke's reference to Caesar Augustus, Quirinius, and the senses, culty for biblical scholars, seeking to establish the chronology of the birth. Now, I've heard this material in your New Testament class, and I hope you have. So I will labor it this morning. But Augustus' reign and Quirinius' senses do not overlap. There, and there was no sense. And the Roman system of registration did not require one to return to one's place of birth. Children, my children, would be incensed. But Scott Pepper and Raymond Brown have suggested a number of reasons for the challenges in the text. And my temptation, because I am an historian by training and nature. But that's not my purpose this morning. 
is why so much emphasis on this census? Its presence in those significant details, I think. And in the NRSV, the version that I heard, registration occurs four times. In her forthcoming book, The Palestine, Reversals, Resistance, and the Ongoing Complexity of Hope, it, is, it hasn't been, there was an adaption for an article in a recent issue of Christian Century, Kelly Nicandea writes about the economy into which Jesus was born. And it wasn't much different from our own. What is the purpose of a census? Neath any altruistic notions of how citizens might be best served by their governments as the feed that we get every time a census comes around. Basically, the prime motivation is in Jesus' time, the Roman Empire was known for its imposed peace. While that peace certainly provided a measure of security for its citizens, we can think, for instance, of that uh, the Apostle Paul took safely in his, uh, as he, he undertook to spread the gospel. This peace also imposed the heavy burden of taxes on its people. Then, as nation imposes the heaviest burden on those at the bottom of the economic ladder. Yes, did conduct a census of Judea, but it was about six CE, so Luke was born. So one thought is that maybe Luke remembered the census but mistook the date. Luke doesn't provide an exact history so much as create a picture of the world. Economic hardship, a reign of power. Luke paints world with all its demands, exploitation, and humiliation for those at the bottom. Against this backdrop of taxation, salvation enters. Writes, Luke unfolds, no, he infolds his advent story into the big times God arrives into our conflicted lands and broken economies. Some Christians focus exclusively on the spiritual salvation embodied in the birth of the Christ child. Do not dismiss the, that significance of the incarnation. My own principal here, Andrew McRae, felt that the incarnation was the significant God event. on it. But that same birth, that same Luke who centers very birth in very ordinary and humble circumstances also records the adult Jesus with the prophetic words of the prophet Isaiah. 
and you'll remember those. The Spirit of the Lord, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And I know that there are there is at least one and several others who had the privilege of visiting Palestine's trips to the Holy Land have witnessed the hardships of the Palestinians, both Muslim, the ones they experience daily. With the dividing wall and then COVID restriction, the has been dealt devastating blows. Jesus would easily recognize this reality if he was reborn again today in Bethlehem. All feeling some level of economic stress as the diabolical Ukraine and wheat worldwide. Our cost of living has risen appreciably, but predictably, are suffering the greatest. The worst famine in its history is threatened Somalia. Locally here, the demand on food banks and social services is as escalating. So as we approach the Advent season, how then will we prepare ourselves to grasp the scandal of the Christmas story which is the term that Culpepper Pepper uses. Neither the familiarity nor the season's festivities should prevent us from re realizing came into human history completely helpless as a newborn and was, and was made in feeding. By entering human history this way, God identified with the powerless, the oppressed, homeless. Among them, God could do the divine work. A, a humility may be the prerequisite for entry into this new kingdom. Or I used to love it more, I think. Now the glitter, the blare and the unrelenting assault of advertisers wear at my spirit. Have a hint of desperation about them, as if in our frenzy to fill baskets of food or gift gifts to are merely assuaging our own guilt in overspending on our own friends and families. Some notes in one of his newsletters and Kurt Thompson was a speaker here um, a number of years ago. Treat. He writes, Thanksgiving, and he's referring to the American Thanksgiving. Black Friday leads to Small Business Saturday. Small Business Saturday leads Shop Sunday. Shop Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday leads to Giving Tuesday. Note, they limps in at the end to entice you to give what is left over after your, your orgy of 
I want to quote Kelly Nikonday again, since she writes so forcefully. Our consumer-driven season's gifts for one another. Luke calls us to a profound economy and how it impinges on our, need, on our neighbors. His tech act. Do we see who is crushed by the current economic realities? Do we understand that are too thin against the demands of Advent? Because there must be more benefit all year long and then giving from our extra during one short season. Deciding which people in need we deem worthy of our generosity. There are personal efforts that, that can make an appreciable difference in the lives of individuals. For instance, our purchasing gifts from the Star Bazaar, which is the gift shop of the Bethlehem uh, Bible Age. School visits when they're there, don't they? We'll pay dearly for shipping, as you know, is not in our favor, but it will help to support Palestinians, as well as the college. Part of the challenge, though, is to educate Christians to difference at a systemic level. The church I'm serving is adopting some CCB projects an integral part of the church's mission. We'll also, we also actively support the regional elementary school, which addresses a systemic community need. You, though, to consider what you and your faith community might do to address economic needs you identify. Quoting Nick and Daya again. In God's economy, we are not nearly as powerless as imperial economies would have us think. In God's economy, salvation includes how our economies are structured, who they press upon, and how we can keep our community safe and safe those visiting from afar, like the Holy Family. Story at verse 7. In spite of the grim imperial setting, in, in verses 10, records the words of a messenger from God, assuring frightened shepherds on the hillside. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Records the ministry of a Jesus who loved parties and sharing meals with all kinds of people, who from both mental, spiritual, and emotional illness, and who had a special tenderness for women, all in the context of his salvific mission. Luke presents us with a holistic that addresses the whole person, and it begins with Jesus' birth narrative. 
and ends with him. What will be our role in testifying with integrity to the good news to all people? That is the challenge, and that is your challenge in the your and our particular ministries. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this Acadia Divinity College Chapel Podcast. You can follow us on social media. Discover more on our website at acadiadiv.ca or join us for chapel on a Wednesday.